Welcome back to the Early Retirement Podcast. I'm your host, Ari Taubleib, and I am the Vice President of Root Financial Partners and a financial advisor. If you're looking for more information on how do you optimize your money, both for retirement as well as today when it comes to investing and tax strategy and income and all of the fun stuff when it comes to how do you make sure your money that you work so hard for, it works hard for you. That's what this podcast is all about. Thank you to all of the continued listeners. I hope that you continue to share this with your friends so that you can retire with them. And if you are new to the show, welcome, a very warm welcome. Every single week, I am going to be talking. I promise I don't do this type of intro every week. Every once in a while, I'll put this in there where I think it's needed or helpful. And I am talking about all sorts of early retirement stuff regarding everything, whatever I think is helpful. And then you guys submit your questions in the description, and I will look to answer those in these episodes. So a topic we're going to be talking about today is the following, which is an exciting one for me because I'm talking this about this stuff with clients all the time, which is how do stocks and bonds perform following these big down years like 2022? What do we need to think about? What perspective can I help relay here to so that you can, one, have comfort around your financial plan, and two, just sleep better around your investments? I know it's not fun when your money goes down. Please know it's not fun for us either. Our advisors, both myself, members of my team, my partner, we also have our money go down because we invest alongside our clients. So it's not fun for us either. Luckily, we get to participate in that. We do have the benefit, though, of being around perspective where all of the time we are reading articles. Of, hey, here's the reality. But I thought about it, and I'm like, how often do my clients get to hear about it? Okay, I write emails, and these emails I hope are helpful. But on top of that, I really want to put some some color that would hopefully allow you to just sleep a little better tonight. Sometimes we all need that. So what I'm looking at on my screen, of course you can't see, but that's because this is a podcast. If you want to see all of these types of things I go over, head over to the YouTube channel and you can see all of that there. What I'm looking at right now is well, I'm looking at the S&P 500. I'm looking at what are the worst returns since 1928, okay? So in 1931, the stock market, the S&P 500, which is the 500, technically 505, largest companies in the U.S., and what I'm looking at is for 1931, the stock market was down 43.8%, the largest ever year it was down. Not a fun experience. 2008, the stock market was down 36.6%, um, 1937, down 35%, in 2002, down 22%, some really big down years. But let's look at how they respond in the following years. Not saying this is what's going to happen for this year, but what happens one year later? Well, if we go to 2008, we went down 36%. The next year, we were up 26%. Three years later, we're up 47%. Five years later, we're up 126%. And seven years later, you're up 160%. What should you take away from all of that? Which is, on average, the stock market goes up. Now, if you've been investing for some time, you already know that. Here's why I highlight this even further, which is, I don't want you timing the market. Now, maybe you get it in the best possible time, maybe you don't, but you should not waste any headspace over that because the reality is you don't know, I don't know. We can look at all of the articles in the world. We can try to do all the analysis, but the reality is we don't know. And anyone who says they do know, I'm skeptical of. I want to make sure that my money works hard for me. I go to work. I work hard for my money. I want it working hard for me, and then I don't want to think about it in the sense of, can I put it on autopilot 
Now, can I check in with it just like I do with my clients where every few, I'm checking in consistently, call it two, three, four times a year to say, hey, is this still aligning with me? Am I losing sleep over this allocation? Does this make most sense based off of my tax strategy? I'm checking in on it, but I'm not checking in every day on my personal finances because I have my strategy. I don't check it every day because history has shown those that do tend to outperform because they look at it and they go, should I make a change? Should I make a change? What? Well, here's when you should make a change. When do you need the money? If you need money to go buy a home or you have a dream home or whatever that may be, a big purchase, you don't want that subject to what the stock market's doing. So I recommend not investing it. You could invest it conservatively, but you have to understand could you sleep at night if you put a you know $500,000 into a conservative investment, it went down to $470,000 and now your dream home is on the market and they need a full cash offer of 500 right away or they're giving it to your neighbor. Well, maybe you would look at your neighbor and, and say, hey, please, this is my dream home here. But maybe they'll be like, you know what? You've been a great neighbor, but turns out I wanted this home too. So I don't want you to have to go through anything like that. I would rather you get that home and then you can invite the neighbor over. It's a whole party and you would have won. So someone's got to win here. You know, we know that. I'm not that nice of a guy. You know, someone's got to win. So now that's the sport in me. I played soccer in college. And so someone's got to win. Someone's got to lose. But in retirement, everyone can win if they have a good strategy. So please know that when it comes to this, you can really win. So can your neighbors. So um, a quick joke there. I hope it resonated at all. Let's talk about, okay, what are returns in other years? So that's 2008. What about in 2002? So 2002 stock market down 22%. The next year up 28% already recovered a year later. Three years, 49%, five years, 81%. These are really powerful numbers, not just because, yes, Ari, it means I'm going to have more money. You might have already seen this is going towards a rosy, a little bit of an episode, but I'm picking the worst years here. I could pick better years, and this is going to be even better. What I want to give you right now is what is the average? What is the average return after a down year? I want, I want you to guess in your head right now, maybe even say it out loud, which is going to sound weird because you might be driving or maybe you're listening to this with a spouse or maybe you're working out and you're, you're on your treadmill right now and I'm imagining you go, oh, is it 7.2% or 8.1% and then your neighbor's like, what are you listening to? And you can be like, I'm listening to the early retirement podcast. Are you going to retire early? So make sure everyone can retire early. Now back, seriously, don't ask them that. I think that they might be a little put off by that. Um, but when it comes to the podcast specifically on S&P 500, which is what I'm looking at at today, this topic, the average after one year of a negative downturn, of, of any market downturn, the worst that I'm looking at here, the average is 2.7% return positive. So it's below inflation, which is historically 3%, but that's the average. After three years, the average return is 32%. After five years, 78%. And after seven years, 87%. Now, those numbers aren't going to blow you away, but that's the S&P 500. How do bonds perform? Well, bonds had their worst year ever in 2022, and we want to understand, okay, so that's S&P 500. What about bonds, Ari? Well, the way bonds would have performed. If we look at 10-year treasuries, here's what it looks like. In 2009, they were down 11%. The next year, they were up 8%. In 2013, they were down 9%. The next year, up 10%. We can go all the way back to 1994, down 8%. Next year, up 23%. So we can look at this and go, how are bonds going to perform? Well, no one ever knows, but the average, once again, almost think of a guess. Remember, the average market downturn you know, when we look at how do they recover the following year, 
was 2.7% one year later from the S&P 500. With bonds, it's 9.5%. Bonds tend to outperform a whole lot more the next year. Doesn't mean we need to earmark that. Doesn't mean we want to absolutely weigh that. And too often, I will hear the following. All right, I've heard you talk about this in podcasts and articles, and bonds are going to outperform stocks historically. I mean, 9.5% versus 2.7, that's a big difference. I'm going to do a really heavy bond allocation. Here's why I don't recommend that. That is letting the bond allocation, or should I call it the investment allocation, get overpowered by what we call the life allocation. I want you to earmark the, the... what I want to give you is helpful information. Okay, what's the average? Okay, historically, it's helpful to have this context, but we don't know what that means for the future. What we do know is that if you want to make sure you are setting yourself up well, you are sticking to a plan, one that aligns with how much you want to spend, one that aligns with really your core values, one that allows you to not lose sleep at night. And so I, the last thing I would want is for you to say, I'm going to do a heavy bond allocation, even if I know it's not best for me for the long term, in the hopes of recovering a few extra percentage points this next year. Because what if it doesn't happen and you miss out on equities and the equities that rose, well, the majority of your portfolio is in equities. So now it would have just been extra impactful. I want you to have what is the right allocation for you. I don't want you to try to time it where it's, hey, a year later, here's what historically happens. Because now all of a sudden, It's taking your time and energy, which could be going towards other things like family, like travel, like doing things you actually want to do, hobbies. I imagine looking at bond allocations and stock allocations aren't things that you you dream of every night. Now, I do, but I'm a little bit nuts, so I want you to know that. I'm looking at the portfolio going, how do we get the most life out of it? That is my job for clients is to analyze this and understand what is best for clients. Some clients want a little bit more of a bond allocation. They have that understanding that historically they do better the next year, but they don't go, we're going to tilt everything to try to capture what might happen. We don't do it that way. Maybe we look at it and go, hey, based off of these tax reasons, here's where bonds play a role because these RMDs are going to be higher. I would recommend this percentage. So these are things that have to be nuanced decisions. Now, I'm not going to do the whole episode here on interest rates, but I have to mention that interest rates were higher during many of these periods than they are today. So it's hard to see a repeat of these returns like the 80s, like the 90s. But it makes sense to understand expected returns for bonds and where they're going to move in terms of yields and what all of this means. So I talked about stocks. I talked about bonds. Let's now talk about a 60-40 portfolio, one that I'm never about. Yes, I love the 60-40 portfolio or I hate it. I think it plays a role as a starting spot for a great conversation, but it is not right for you. Now, it might be right if we go through a million factors and it turns out that's the right one. I will be surprised and here's why. What imagine you have a million dollars and and you say, What's the right mix for me? And you go, All right, I want to spend fifty thousand a year. Well, if you want to spend fifty thousand dollars a year and you have a million dollars, the reality is we want around two to two and a half years of super core assets, super safe that no matter what happens in the market, we can pull from. So fifty thousand dollars times two, call it a hundred thousand. Let, let's just say three years, so $150,000. And we can say, let's be ultra conservative, okay? We want to make sure at a minimum we have five years of living expenses. Well, you have a million dollars and we want five years of living expenses. Well, that means that tells me 50,000 times five, I want you at a minimum to have about probably $200,000 to $250,000 in some conservative asset, not just cash, but a safe asset. So let's just call it a 75-25 portfolio. 
Well, right off the bat, that's telling me that a 60-40 portfolio does not make most sense for you. That's without me factoring into account taxes. That's without me factoring into account other income sources. That's assuming you're fully living off of your portfolio. The reality is there might be Social Security there. So what if, let's say, your expenses are 80000 and Social Security makes up forty? Well, between you and your spouse, there's 40. That means 40 needs to come from the portfolio. So once again, as we look at this, there's more nuance to it than what often meets the eye. Now, of course, that's my job. That's what I work through with clients. But a 60-40 portfolio, I'm just using this as a basis for the conversation of, hey, here's how stocks perform. Here's how bonds perform after a down year. What if we put them together? So in, um, I'm just going to show you a few years here. And when I say show you, obviously I mean explain. In 2008, the stock market was down 14% if you had a 60-40 portfolio, and it was up 11% the following year. Three years later, up 34%. Five years later, 72%. Seven years later, 96%. Let's look at other years here. 2002, stock market was down 7.1% if you had a 60-40 portfolio, a recovered 17.2%. Uh, one year later, 32% three years later, 56% five years later. So you can see the average market downturn gets recovered fairly quickly. Now, going back to summarize all of this, number one is the S&P 500. It averages a 2.7% positive return the following year. Bonds, a 9.5%, but that's with that little interest rate caveat I talked about before, so it's worth noting that. And then if we put them together, we're somewhere in the middle. The average is 4.2%. So not a bad return. Now, is it the best return ever? No. But what we want to do is look at what are those long-term returns? When when you even hear, it's hard to really conceptualize it, but when you hear me say 72% or 87%, You don't need to think, okay, what does that absolutely mean? What you need to think about is, hey, that's a big number. And the way we get that big number is by holding on when the times aren't so fun, not saying, okay, we're going to let what's currently happening in the market or economy or politics or whatever that may be drive our decisions of what we want our long term to look like. Whether you love the president, whether you hate the president, what we want to do is create a strategy that aligns with you. So if you have political concerns, let's look at the math. Let's see what has historically happened when politics are, are whether it's this way or whether it's that way or whatever that may be. Let's look at when interest rates are high versus low. We can let the math certainly play a role here, but we don't want that to make us go, hey, let's make these little tilts and tweak to try to get grab a percent here or there, which very mel- which very well, excuse me, may not occur at all. I would rather see you capture the returns and say, you know what, what's going to happen is going to happen. What are my options? Well, my options, what's in my control? I can control my investments. I can control my tax strategy. I can control, now you can't control the investments, how they perform, but you can earmark them properly. You can have less concentration risk. You can say, hey, I'm going to donate with this fund to save me on taxes. There are so many things that you can do to put yourself in a good position, and we don't want to take on too much unnecessary risk and really miss out on what you care about, which is a successful life. At the end of the day, the money is not what we care about. These downturns are a natural part of investing. And if they didn't happen at all, I would actually be more concerned. So when clients say, hey, Ari, should I make a change? The first question I always have is, when do we need the money? And they go, Ari, I don't need this for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. 
I'll say that's a very different answer than five years or 20 years. When do you think you might need this money? And they go, Ari, I'm nervous because I might need this money in the next few years. I go, great. That's really helpful feedback. Thank you for sharing that client. I think we should make a shift. I don't think it's worth the ability, you know, God forbid a a medical event occurs that won't be covered. Or if it just provides more peace of mind to have X number of dollars on hand for the next few years because of these reasons, then I fully support that. Here's what I think is best. Not cash, but maybe it's a CD. Maybe it's some other instrument. What makes most sense is going to differ, but the overall message is that if you don't need the money for a long time, make it work for you. Don't try to time the market. It's all about time in the market, not timing the market. So I hope this podcast was helpful. Once again, if this has been helpful at all, I love that these podcasts are free. My kind ask is that you share it with someone who you think would find value from it and that you leave a kind review if it's of course been helpful. I want more people to find the show so that they can retire early, know when they're in a position to be financially free and just be more at peace with their money. So thank you for allowing me to do that and I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Early Retirement Show. If you have a question that you want answered in a future episode, you can always go to my website, earlyretirementpodcast.com. That's earlyretirementpodcast.com. And you can go ahead and submit a question that I'll look to answer in a future episode. Thank you all for listening. Please do rate it, review it, and share it with someone who you think would benefit from this information if there's anyone out there that you know. I certainly appreciate it, and I will see you all each week. Hey, guys, it's me again. Please be smart about this. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as financial, tax, or legal advice. Consult with your tax preparer or financial advisor before taking any action. This podcast is for informational purposes only.